Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, and with me as always are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the comics coming out on the 9th of November, 2021. And first up is Action Comics number 1036. This is the beginning of the War World Saga, the much-heralded, much-anticipated War World Saga. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Daniel Sampier. Zach, I want you to start this one off. What did you think of this? I love this. I thought this was so good. Um, to preface, I, I had to catch up on this book. I was like three issues behind. Um, so I did want to start off the discussion by saying the preceding arc, the World War World Rising arc, um, was also really good, I think. I did not catch up on that. You didn't? Okay. No. Um, well, it was good. You missed out. Um <laughs> But just as far as, as far as this first issue goes with the World World Saga, I just, I think that this is like the best. So I think that the super books are in the best place that they've been probably since like the John's action comics era. Just say New Krypton. You want right to you want to say no? New Krypton, I'm talking just... about but no before New Krypton though because it was better before New Krypton. I think personally, New Krypton was good. That we need to have a whole episode about New Krypton someday. We do. Um, but I think like the era like like right before that like when Gary Frank was on the book. Weren't we gonna have like four episodes about New we Krypton? Were have, like five <laughs> about New Krypton. We were yeah. that. Be- because because when we were doing our crisis management thing, at some point, somebody said, like, all right, the most we can talk about in one episode is, like, let's say 10 issues, right? And that's, like, 40 issues of comics or 50, whatever it is. So it's, we wanna... like, more than that. It's, like, 80. Yeah, I so think. we, we want to say, like, all right, we can do this in five weeks. So that's what you're going to do. But mm-hmm. but um, but anyway, we're yeah. all – tangents already happening. This is just really good. So I, I just really like how the line is going. I like – the John book and I love this book. I actually think action may it may even be better than the John Kent book. Um I just think that this is feels like such a weighty and important Superman story. Um it feels very grandiose but not in like a fart sniffy kind of way. It just mm-hmm. feels like Superman doing the most Superman things that he can. It's like it's like Superman Unchained, but for real, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, the art is really good. I love the use and integration of the Authority characters. I love. I think this is possibly one of the best uses of Mongol outside of like the for the man who has everything um, that I've ever read, and. Um, I even appreciate, even though it's kind of unnecessary, the way Johnson kind of makes sense of the weird continuity goofs that we've been talking about between <laughs> action and authority. It's a little goofy, but like I'm, I'm fine yeah. with it. <laughs> no, it's a little goofy, but I'm fine with it. I, I like love this issue so much. I love See? the like intro with the Durlin um politician it's, it's just all it's very good i enjoyed it quite a bit so here's my question for you zach the sort of uh the weirdness of the continuity uh-huh. is that addressed at all in the rising story no 
So the so the it's only not. way that you would know that Superman is losing his powers. Well, no, I take that back. I mean, it, it we. I can't remember if it was in Superman or in action. They talk about he's losing his powers though in that in those books. Because remember in that first two parter, he right. Like, no, 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 I, I know that. But oh. in, in terms of like the deception behind that, like the yes. he's losing his powers and it's being hidden by Enchantress, like that. None of that is is mentioned anywhere else. No. Okay. That they no because you don't actually see the authority until like the very last page of the end of that arc. Um, although it is hinted at in one of the issues i think it's actually i don't think it's the last issue there i, th I think it may be, be like the penultimate one in that arc where um bruce is at the cave and hints that he knows that clark has another team and there's even like an editor box that's like see batman superman authority special to follow this story so they actually planted the seeds for that story and all the stuff about, um, you know, Clark going to the Justice League and asking them to help with War World and them rejecting him the, that they talked about in the Authority special. That's all mm -hmm. in that arc of action. Okay. Vince, what did you think of this? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Not as much as Zach. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say I loved it because, so if I'm setting the bar at Morrison's Superman and the Authority mini, this doesn't quite get there for me. And I think it's a personal taste thing. Um, it's just, it's just the way it's written. Like when you read a Morrison comic, it's so distinct. Um, there's, there's just constant talking and constant action and there's talking over the action and there's layers to everything. So like a conversation that is going on during a fight scene could be about something completely different, or it could mention four different things that are going on at the same time. There's just so much being juggled in such little space and very few people write like that. You know, mm -hmm. nobody else writes in that like big grant. Like Zach said, this isn't, this is, it is grandiose without calling attention to itself. That's another point I want to come back to in a second, but um, you know, everything Morrison writes is like that where there's, there's so many layers to what everybody is saying and the, and the info dump happens as the action happens. Um, so a lot of people, you know, think it's manic or the pacing is kind of off, but I like that in my comics. That's the style I like this intentionally slows it down the way that most writers write. Like this is just, it is more conventional from a, from a style and form perspective. Um, so that, that would be my only criticism. And that's my only reason why I'm not like over the moon about this, because you just compare this exact team and subject matter to what Morrison, what we just saw from Morrison. And, and for me, it just doesn't quite, it doesn't bewilder and amaze me in the same way. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, I, that, I feel like oh. I should clarify then that, I too do not put this on the same level of Morrison, but sure. it, it, knowing that we just can't have that right now, you know, that that's just oh, we should, not yeah. even on the table. Yeah. Um, I would even so argue that potentially, I, I, I do not like this more than Morrison. Do not misinterpret my words in that way. But I wonder if this, if Philip Kennedy Johnson will be able to play better in the current DC universe 
than Morrison because I feel like Morrison at this point has no interest in playing well with others. Morrison does what Morrison does, and that's just the way it is. Um, well, I don't know. I mean that in the most complimentary way. Like I, I, I feel like Morrison doesn't suffer fools anymore. Regardless, um, no, I, I like this quite a bit. I thought that that the reveal of the Enchantress thing was a very clumsy way to to get us to where we need to be. Oh no, I, I thought that was so good. Um, I mean, I, I I think it I think it works. Right, their weekend at Bernie Bernie'sing him. That's that's so awesome. Like I think that that's that's as close to a Morrison idea I think as anything comes in this. I, I don't disagree with that, but I will say that I don't think this was uh, executed as well as Morrison would have executed this idea, of course. Um, but no, I, I I enjoyed most of this comic quite a bit. I think that this is by far the best we've seen Daniel Sampier on interiors. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's not transcendent work necessarily, but this is really, really solid. Sampier does a really nice job of just showing you all these characters in a very classic form, like especially before the veil is lifted on Superman. Superman looks as, as like iconically from 19, you know, 50 to 2021 Superman you could get like, it's just, it's a very, very iconic. And I feel like every character here is kind of presented in their most recognizable and iconic way, which when pressed up against war world, has an even greater effect because it is so clearly something different than the the idea of the classic idea of Superman is so different than the idea of War World that that juxtaposition is really really nice. There's one panel in particular, the panel where Superman is like about to be revealed as not being all powerful. He's drawn in this totally goofy pose. That's like, like like floating in the air, yeah. and the the coloring is really faded, and it just it that panel could have come out of so many Bronze Age comics. It's just a really really classic look, and uh, I think Sam Pierre does a nice job here. I think Johnson more or less nails the tone of these characters. It doesn't. There's not a huge gap. Like, like sometimes you'll see um, when a team is introduced or a character is introduced by one writer and then another instantly takes over. There's a little bit of whip of whiplash you get from, from uh, the two styles kind of contrasting each other. But I feel like Johnson is either doing a good enough Morrison impression here, or just both these writers really know these characters very well. And you don't get that sort of tonal whiplash. At least I don't think you do. There's yeah. um, talking about the dialogue. There's a bit of dialogue in here that I think is like some of the best, like on par with some Morrison stuff um, where Clark goes out from the the authority spaceship. What is that thing called? The it's slave the one. one. Yeah, the slave one. No, Boba Fett's spaceship. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, to to like examine this this floating corpse in space and and there's like some banter from the team and manchester black is kind of you know dunking on him a little bit and you know he says something like he'll never understand superman and and then light ray says i'd like to i'd like to know what it's like to care so much about everyone and it's just like that that hit me really hard as far as just like a good succinct summary of why superman is 
is the best you know i i just i i like that line that, that, that i like that whole exchange line. a lot i agree with that that's very good yeah um the other point i wanted to come back to that zach had mentioned about about the grandiosity of all this is you you remember uh that i said philip kennedy johnson is is the new tom king in that yeah. like he's gonna write in this very specific very uh you know every 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 comic he writes no matter how no matter whether there's supposed to be like a um pithy or or jokey uh or irreverent uh aspect to it or it's supposed to be the most serious uh gravely serious thing he's gonna write it with this same tenor of uh grandiosity or, or what you know however you want to say that for tom king i think it's like this like weird minimalism that he that he tries and it 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 makes the the funny stuff awkward and it makes the grandiose stuff seem frankly silly somehow i i think there were hints of that in earlier arcs from from philip kennedy johnson that i was a little worried about and you'll recall that like i made the comparison but i said i wasn't committed to it like you know, he, I wasn't necessarily convinced, but I was worried that that was going to be the case. I don't think there's any of that in this. I think everything has the exact amount of weight that it's supposed to. And I think the lighter moments are appropriately written as light. There's like no uh, obfuscation or anything happening here where uh, he thinks a certain aspect of, of this comic is, uh, below any other part of the comic, you know, like, I think, I think what you get here is just a really nice, even handed follow up to Morrison. That's a little bit more conventional in style, but it, it picks its spots to be grandiose. Like you said, there's, there's that line about Superman. It's not Philip Kennedy Johnson trying to fill 20 pages with lines that land like that. You know, it's not him trying to punctuate everything he writes with these like periods you know it's it's just a really well toned well told conventional sort of superhero story made grandiose by kind of like the world that he's built the war world that he's building and the extra like the the durlins the phalosians this this kind of lore that he's built around this particular situation superman finds himself in um it's just it's not calling attention to itself it's just really well crafted uh, so i just wanted to like second what zach said about that but also like bring in my the baggage the tom king baggage that i may have put on kennedy johnson undeservedly earlier i'm wow. glad you apologized for that well i never said i, I, I never did, said like, i was sorry. a poem or something right isn't that what like prompted that he he used like a poem or, was, or something yeah. in an issue i think yeah i mean that was one of like the quote-unquote final straws but it, it was something that i was kind of gesturing towards even before that i think yeah this this isn't overly flowery it's not like self-aggrandizing right you know, it's not like winking at you as you're you're reading the dialogue in the way that a Tom King comic has and can. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. 
um can i mention I just, a couple other th- or you got you got something go ahead Zach. no i've got i've got like a closing question okay can, can i One say like kind two... of ready to move on yeah okay can i say two more things then yes and, yeah. and then i have something else to say as well one this is this is this is going to be a tie-in for our uh one of our uh, next new 52 Patreon episodes we're going to record. But one thing I love about this right now is I love the, the weirdness of the authority team that's been assembled. Like in no world, could you guess who's on this authority team other than like Apollo and Midnighter? (laughs) You'd never be able to guess. And it's like, what are they doing all together on the same team? And it really, it gives a chance for some characters that, wouldn't have books of their own or wouldn't even be in other people's books to be in a book. Right. And that's just nice. And I think like, as a teaser, I'm going to say a similar thing about the new 52 birds of prey where like, by no means is that run a classic or, you know, spoiler alert, even very good, but the team is interesting at times. And I think sometimes that's enough to carry a book for a little while. And I think that this book is doing it's doing more than just being carried by its, its strange team, but man, does that help keep things interesting, right? Like how much flavor does a weird team like this add to a book like this? I oh, think absolutely. it's, yeah, it's great. And then the other thing I just wanted to say real quick before I shut up is um, that this is just a 10 of swords. <laughs> when, when the, when the Mongol champions team shows up at the end, see, tell me this is not all 10 of swords. Well, Oh, it's funny that you picked that as your touch point because I picked another Hickman. Oh, Infinity Mark. Yeah, it's Infinity. Those, yeah. That's the Black Order. Uh, yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know one one was just cl- closer in my mind. Sure. Was that what you were gonna say? No, that's not. Uh, oh, okay. No. <laughs> okay, good. All right, you guys go ahead. So uh, the one thing I just wanted to say is a couple of things. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I I I get that people are always trying to give characters like Manchester Black something to do to distinguish themselves as Manchester Black. So him singing Nazi punks fuck off by the dead Kennedys is just <laughs> like, it's kind of a lazy choice, um, but I, whatever, it's fun. Um, and I, I feel like this is going to be the start of a really fun arc. I'm very much looking forward to this arc. My big fear with this arc though, is that, and I, I, I don't, I, I I'm, I'm trepidatious in even saying this. I feel like Johnson has set this up to be one of the higher stakes Superman stories in a long time. I just fear that it's not going to be allowed to have as high stakes as the run has kind of al- built it up to be. Does that make sense? Like, I hope that DC allows this to be as monumental a Superman story as it's being built up to be. Because if it, if if, it, if they half ask this, I'm going to be very disappointed. Well, that feeds into my like final thing I wanted to talk about, which is the, the question of how long do we think this is going to go? I believe we know it's already into January, correct? I believe so. It so, would so be... to me, I this, oh, this feels yeah. like a twelve issue arc. I I think. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know either. I I do hope it's that long because the lead if it's not as long as the lead up, 
was, uh-huh. I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> and and also this feels to me like an event. Like this or at least like this feels like there should be the scope of it feels so big that it's it's like this, this should have crossovers this should have like ancillary tie-ins outside of just like the main story it just feels it feels bigger than just a story in action comics to me it it feels like a new status quo kind of um the only thing that doesn't make it feel like a status quo is the constant reminder from superman family characters that like Oh, he's coming back someday. Don't worry. Um, but but what if he doesn't though? That would be. They do keep saying that. Lois says that a lot. But like that, John is sitting there telling everybody, like he's he's not coming back. That would be that would be something. They they don't kill him, but they keep him out in space for like a long time. That's kind of what I thought they were going to do with yeah. Wonder Woman, right? Like I kind of thought Wonder Woman's new yeah. like multi-year status quo was going to be we'll get to that <laughs> we will yeah <laughs> uh, no i mean i i think that if it's a 12 issue story that's fine if it has enough if it has enough meat on the bone and i guess that's that's my other secret fear of this uh arc is that i don't think there's ever been 12 issues in a row produced with mongol that were interesting and so I just wonder if Mongo const- was a really good side character in Green Lantern Corps. He wasn't the main, right, the main it, dude. Right. Um, but he was he featured prominently. Sure. I just don't know if there's enough of a story here to go for a year. I think that there I think that there is a potential of there being like a really good six issue story that's decompressed over the course of a year, or that there is going to be a three four month period in the middle here where everybody knows they're just dragging it out yeah it feels more like a status quo in that like i feel like you know we're, we're gonna have this big i could see the story going in a way where we have this big confrontation up front things go badly the authority characters get like embedded in world world maybe like with you know the people there you have like a dune situation where they're kind of like regrouping and then they like take it take the fight back to mongol again but it's it feels like it could be a a very long story you know if i'm i'm afraid that it's going to either like not have enough story to last the length of however long it's going to run or it's going to have too much story and it's going to be compressed to the point where none of the beats land yeah. And see, I guess I guess I'll be an optimist and I'll say it feels like Philip Kennedy Johnson is really reinventing Mongol in a way that I I I don't think that we can point to any previous Mongol story and necessarily say like well, his character never really amounts to much because th- there there is potential for for you know, nearly any villain to become the next dark side, let's say. Like, it's not beyond the realm of, of possibility that you take a character as a lump of clay and, and make them into something more, you know? Um, 
I, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm not going to write this off just based on any other Mongol stories we come, we've come across. Uh, so I can see a world where like all of a sudden Mongols, the next big, the next big bad. And this is more of an event of an event than we realize. And I also think like we know from doing the new 52 shows and, and things like that, that plans change all the time. Plans change a lot based on uh, public response to things. So like, if you're telling me that this run on action and Superman that, that Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing is like, wildly popular getting getting really strong critical feedback like i could definitely see them wanting to do more with it or wanting to extend the the status quo so he you just sparked an idea in my head that i feel like we have to talk about do you think that superman is the is the maybe not the trinity character but the dc sort of a-list character if you expand that to like the top seven or eight DC characters. Is he the character that they could get away with sort of abandoning for for a year more than the others? It's crazy to think that, but I kind of think that that's the case. I kind of think that he can survive in the wilderness for a year better than the other ones could. Well, that already kind of did happen in New Krypton where he was like on Krypton and not interacting with anybody else for that whole year mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i think it could work especially since you have john as superman right that kind of feels like the intent it really does yeah i think it's a, i think it's ballsy and i think it's great if they stick to it i do too I I like it. I just like how both this and the John Kent book feel bold in a way that the Superman books haven't felt bold probably since like Morrison's action comics. Mhm. Yeah. We're trying to think I the just, last time I called him like bold. Uh, because what, what was your question you had for us, Zach? That was it. That was the okay. that was the question about how long it was going to oh, okay, last. Okay. Um, yeah, I just I'm really interested to see where this goes. I I really hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it's good. Yeah, I'm 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 fairly confident. I I, I do think the length might be an issue, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. For now, yeah, I, th- I think it's less of an issue with, I think it's less of an issue with Johnson and the team, and more so just with like how much room editorial is going to give them. You know what kind of constraints they're under from DC. Right. You know, it, it, we're still pretty new into the infinite frontier status quo, and so I have not heard a lot of people complaining about how DC is operating at the moment. I'm not saying that means they're doing all doing great. It just means like, I don't know what editorial is like right now in terms of people being allowed to do stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. a fair amount I, of bold I just stuff wonder, happening. Like what? 
there's a fair amount of bold stuff either happening or has happened. I'm not always a fan yeah. of it, but I, I think that there is a fair amount of I think this era feels already like it's taking more chances than rebirth or um the second half of the new fifty two. I I it's, agree with that. Yeah. It's kind of feeling like a mini DCU. Yeah. Except almost like except almost for like the bad books. Like five G. It's almost it's almost like it's 5G. Yeah, that's right. That thing yeah. that definitely was never planned, it was never going to exist, according to DC. According to Jim Lee. Yeah. I don't know, Vince. Jim I think Lee was not are, very I nice. I knew that was fucking coming. <laughs> Mr. Dio. I, I think the bad books feel pretty bold still, even. I I, I think, I, I think doing... that one's a half measure. That one's a half measure because Bruce is still there doing normal Bruce shit. I, I think Fear State is as He's leaving Gotham forever. Come on. It is. Yeah, <laughs> we, but we're not there yet, you know. Um, but I think, like, Fear State is just conventional bat event stuff. I think there are some bold trappings around the edges, but they're not breaking through. Like, the Jace Fox stuff had the potential to be a DCU-style thing, and they bungled that. Um I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a half measure. Okay. I'll, I'll be interested to see what things are like under the Williamson Tamaki rain. Yes. Yes. I could, I could easily see it tipping over into something better there. Do we have anything to say about the guardian backup by Sean Lewis and Sammy Bossery? Uh, the, the art was good. Sammy yeah. Bassery's art is very nice. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move over to Future State Gotham, number seven, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, illustrated by Giannis Milano Giannis. I'm going to say the first thing, then pass it off to Vince. My first thing is, goddamn, Milano Giannis is really good. This is this is such a amazing looking book. Uh, yeah, I mean, to go for it. It's the reason to read this. Certainly, um, I can't think of many others. Um, I just don't. I don't think the story is interesting at all. I think the art is wonderfully charming. I think, like, okay, here's an example. There's a moment halfway ish, maybe three quarters of the way through the book, where Jace and Jason kind of face off and in with any other art or like more conventional dc art at least that whole scene is just like a million other scenes we've seen just like it where uh two guys have like a tense meeting and then you know maybe team up or whatever but with uh art um being this like cheeky joyful thing to read there's a moment where <laughs> jason uh, i can forget exactly what jason says but jason says something like i can tell you exactly what we, he says okay he, yeah he says we're gonna do this as partners yeah and the jace says no as friends and i fucking laughed out loud because it's so bad bad D- dude i mean like that that moment is that's like the power of friendship manga stuff. I can see why you think that that's bad, but no, like I, when, when I say bad, I, I mean just like 
cheesy and I, I didn't dislike it, but it's not good comic writing. Oh, like, dude, with with any other art, it's not. But with this art, it right. it leans into it leans into like that the 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 Sundari anime like antihero uh, clasping hands with like the the um, monkey D Luffy of the story, right? Like 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 the 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 plucky go luck uh, happy go lucky okay, hero, if, you know. If Jason is Luffy. <laughs> Does that make Jace is Jace Law? Uh here? I think I think Jace is Luffy, actually. You think Jace is Luffy? Okay. Yeah, because he's the one saying, no, we're gonna be friends. And Jason yes, is the more okay, standoffish okay. one. Okay. Jason, J- Jason, Jason is Law. Jason is Kid. Or maybe Zoro. Jason is Captain Kid. Yeah, okay. Yes. I, I yeah. think he's Captain Kid. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. See, my my problem okay. with that with that bit of dialogue is that I feel like even if the art suggests a like more fun kind of goofier story, the writing didn't get that memo. Oh, definitely. Oh, I think you're wrong. I feel like this is fun and goofy as hell. This is I think this is just Vince was talking about the bad books just being kind of like tame, safe half measures. And I think that this is just the best well this isn't even really one of the bad books when i'm when i'm like i know i know i mean like yeah. this is doing what the bat books don't <laughs> yes 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 future state got them do what the bad books don't <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> but i don't even but i still don't even like it that much aside from the art like i i just i do think o'brien does have a point when he's like what is this moment doing in this book? Because there are other parts of this issue that are just really kind of grim and overly serious. That's exactly my point is that there are, there are those really amazing art flourishes and that moment was fun, but it seemed like it was dropped into a book that isn't the book I was reading. I don't know. I don't get that. I don't know. I don't, I didn't read this as particularly grim. It, it, it's not like a Tom King book, but it's not, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's um, the nature of future state in general is just like a grimmer status quo. Right. So, so you're, I guess, you're, yeah, you're always kind of working uphill because just future state in general is, is kind of grim overall. See, I, I felt like this is the, the best. I I'm the one who suggested this book one. Cause I flipped through it and I was like, damn, this art is really, really good. But also reading it, I think it's like better than anything in Future State. It's one of the better- In the Future future State Bat books, I I should say, specifically. Like- We didn't like um, those. I I was just like very, we didn't know, but I was just very impressed by like how much this book seems to have like expanded on that um i'm i'm very interested to go back i didn't for this i want to go back and read the rest though because market folks i am i'm just kind of smitten by this um i'm, I'm glad you artist, liked it yeah i liked it a lot um so I, I love I, that it's black and white we did, haven't really talked about that we have on other issues yeah or, uh, yeah okay i haven't i haven't been here for oh any you haven't been here talked about this Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. 
I, didn't I don't think we've talked that. about it since I since I came back. Yeah. Well, go off, King, because we have talked about that. But you you say you you say your piece on that. I mean, it's just I just I, I don't have like a ton to say about it other than it's just kind of fresh and unique, I guess, for mm. a DC book to not have colors. But it, it's also like not. It doesn't feel like a Batman black and white thing you know mm-hmm. even though it, they stick batman black and white stuff in the back of even though they issues. do and i feel like that even like highlights the it highlights the contrast between the two i think yes. even um even even my one note on, I, on the it black makes me white, wonder why huh my one note on the black and white though is i feel like one of the best things future state had going for it was its color palette especially the oh, future sure. state gotham stuff and I feel like Milano Giannis's work looks gorgeous colored. Like when he was doing um, some turtle stuff, it was just, you know, it blew me away how, the go- how gorgeous it looked. So I feel it like this. Look, it looks good. Yeah. I just feel like I, I'm all for DC having a black and white title. I don't know if this is the best one to be black and white. Well, see, I think that like Milano Giannis's work is like very, it feels very manga-esque and by having it be black and white it highlights that even more um i i i just i think this is really cool i think dc you know you don't have to have color on everything i i don't want to slight any colors out there there's some really good colorists but if they're there are noted good you know, dudes like print- gabe uh el tab <laughs> yeah 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 gabe beetle um that's a joke, by the way. Publish some that's more a fucking stuff joke, in black everybody. and white. Huh? I was just saying that that's a joke. I don't I want to think I'm seriously calling him a good dude. Oh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I I think this is cool. Hush shows up at the end. That's big, dumb, and fun. I like, I, I just think this is neat. I'm going to read more of this. So I, I do have a question about Oh, and Bethany Snow shows up. Yes, that's an important note. I'm glad we got that in there. Uh, so here's, I love <laughs> Bethany Snow. <laughs> she's totally on Fox News and Gotham, we, right? We, yeah. <laughs> she's a firecracker. <laughs> um, but no, my question was going to be that, you know, when when we got Future State and the direct aftermath of that, there was a lot of like, this is a potential future. Is this going to be where everything is going. And I think now that we know that that's not where it's going, the writers can have a little bit more fun with it because it is just a, it is now just an Elseworlds title, right? There, There is no more hint that this is where the Bat books are going in the future. And so I think that that has liberated it in a way where when you're, when, when you're having this head dangling out there as a possibility in the future, I feel like you are limiting what you can do. Whereas if this is going to be just like the manga influenced bat book, just lean into that and don't who gives a shit about the continuity. The the only pushback I have on that is that Williamson is still co-writing this book and he's like the head of DC right now, it seems. And I I just wonder if he's gonna loop it back around somehow. Not not that like future state will be the future of, of DC, but that like some of these characters might be featured 
in like present day stories somehow these versions of the characters i should say Mm -hmm. i i wonder what the long game is on this book i wonder why this book exists really (laughs) um yes i cannot figure that out i i yeah is it a bunch of work that they had uh, Milano Giannis do and it was too far along to can it or is, I, I don't get it. I don't, I'm trying to think of everything I can think of <laughs> and I can't figure it out. Can't it crack still this just one. Keeps going. Yeah. Like it's solicited. I think it's solicited for January still, which will be, let me, yeah, so that'll be like issue 11 10 or 11 is it surprisingly cheap or what i don't know what am i supposed to think i don't know okay no number nine comes out in january okay and and it looks like williamson is off the book at that point it's just culver writing um but still i don't know all right, well, also, I did want to point out that the variant cover of Bruce is like Future State, Rob Pattinson, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our final two books of the week. So stay tuned. Hello. We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster... A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with Robin and Batman number one, written by Jeff Lemire, illustrated by Dustin Wynn. So I I wish I had more to say about this than I do. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just don't have all that much to say about it, except I have one sort of overarching note that I think you guys are going to agree with the sentiment on, but maybe disagree with my application of this, which is that I am tired of joyless Batman stories and this is another joyless Batman story, but it's a beautiful one. And I think that a lot of the questions that Lemire is asking are the right questions to ask about this stuff. I just wish, like to me, if you have a story about young Dick Grayson and it's this unfun, you're doing something wrong. Uh, I am tired of joyless Batman stories and I'm also tired of, backtracking and retelling stories that we have read a thousand times before um i don't have a lot to say about this other than the art was incredible i don't know i don't really know why this book exists as it does i wish i wish this team had done literally anything else i think yeah i mean i i gotta agree with with both of you guys um i think i i read this and i'm like okay this is this is not dick this is damien or 
Jason, but like a retroactive Jason, because even early Jason was not like this, you know, Mm -hmm. this is not Dick to me. Not not to say that, like, like I know later in like before Dick uh, left to become Nightwing or whatever, there was some chilliness between uh, Bruce and Dick. And I know, like, yes, of course, if you're writing these as real people, of course, there's going to be friction with somebody like Batman and a kid like dick right but when you're talking about like a dc comics property where these characters are all very very well defined over the last 80 years or whatever it just didn't ring as dick and bruce to me and part of that is because you know the golden age was one thing and this is something else and they're not going to they're not going to go and do a golden age story now especially in a prestige format like this but then what is the point because this isn't it doesn't feel like a missing dick and bruce story it feels like a missing bruce and some robin that we you know kind of invented right um zach i agree with you like why why does this book exist i wish they would have done anything else at the same time like the, the one compliment I can pay to it is that it, it looks beautiful. And like, this is something we talk about on the show a lot and it bugs the hell out of me because like, how do you reconcile it? I'm, I'm legitimately asking, like if every comic is somebody's first comic, I could see somebody picking this up and going, this is a beautiful comic that features an intense struggle between you know, this rigid bat Batman, Bruce Wayne ideology and, and the idea of Robin and how that would maybe play out. And I could see somebody picking this up and thinking like, this is great. And I pick it up and I think this is a, a story we've seen a million times before. I can't deny that it, you know, it looks great, but like, what are, what are we doing here and how often are we doing it? You know, it's, it's really how often we get stories like this. You know, we're going to talk about this. I bet we're going to talk about this in another two months when that Chip Zdarsky, uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman origin book comes out. What is that one called? Batman. Is it Batman um, Detective or Batman it. Night or Batman? Batman <laughs> Batman's big day out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's like, I feel like our criticism, like this is where, this is the limits of our criticism, right? Because other than the characters not really necessarily sounding like how I think of them, or at least they're, they're exaggerations that are done to, to make a point, right? Like, like Lemire is exaggerating Bruce and how staunch he is to make a point. Right. right. But Bruce reading Dick's diary seems like even a bridge too far for bruce yeah yes that's it's yes. not quite like batman and robin your uh all-star batman and robin Stop. but it's 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 almost <laughs> it's like halfway there sure yeah and so like like uh, like we as critics how can we reconcile the fact that that this is maybe a quality product from an artistic standpoint versus just how utterly plain it is in the landscape of the last 20 odd years of comics that we've really paid close attention to you know what i mean 
I don't know how to do it anymore. I don't know how to talk about this book without saying the same thing that we say whenever this happens, you know? Um, it looks great. You know, even in the text of this comic, though, this is, a, this is one last point I want to make about it. Alfred and Bruce, there's, there's a scene where they're basically finishing one another's sentences. And that is almost a commentary on how many times we've seen this before, right? <laughs> right. There's, a, there's a scene where, where Alfred says, oh, I suppose you're going to tell me that you're doing what's best for the boy. And Bruce is like, and you're going to tell me that I'm getting a youngster in trouble. You know, they're, they're like finishing one another's thoughts and their thoughts that every Batman writer has kind of played around with when they write Batman and Robin. Right. Um, it's like, I'm not trying to be reductive on what Lemire and, and Wynn are doing here, but that, that almost reads as a joke to me. That almost reads as like being a little too wry about it. <laughs> right. I don't know. I understand that. I, yeah. I really don't know what the answer to your question, though, is, Vince. I, I don't know how we can talk about this book in a way that isn't both dismissive and also kind of... Um, I mean, like, <laughs> what's more unnecessary? The unnecessary piece of art or three chitheads talking about the unnecessary piece of art, right? <laughs> oh, like, oh, believe me, <laughs> we, we should not exist. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean... No. Dustin Wynn's art is better than anything any of us will ever accomplish in yes. our entire lives. Yeah, but... Dust, Dustin Wynn has taken better shits than anything I will have ever done in my life. Yeah, yeah, let's be honest. But I, I, it is a good, I mean, yes. 10 years ago, it, when I was getting into comics, if this had been on the shelf and I had picked it up, it, I, it would have been such a treat and such like a great entry into like batman comics at the same time there are a dozen other books that could fill that same role that have already been made and are the ones that i got into comics with so it's just like does dc need to keep creating these evergreen titles for people to pick up or like can they just read the same ones it can there just be like a canon of entry points well, I guess that's the other thing I want to say. Now they're just like thing. making so many. Yeah. And that's the thing I want to say about this is that I feel like it would be one thing if this was a totally different take on Bruce and Dick's relationship. And you could say it's black label. It's not in continuity. This is a, you know, so over the weekend I watched uh, the uh, Francis Ford Coppola version of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. And it's not that my loving it. Yes, dead and loving it. And it's it's not my favorite Dracula movie, but there's a couple of like really new ideas that are introduced there that were never done before and haven't really been touched since with, with Dracula stories. And so I feel like even if I don't love it, it's something that's really different and unique, and I appreciate that approach. So if this was a total reinvention of the dynamic, I think I'd be more okay with that than just like taking the dynamic that works and just tweaking it to be more boring. The other thing, I don't think this is a black label book. It's I don't not? think it I don't think it is, although it has the exact structure of one where yeah, they it even it ends it, it says doesn't like have black end, label anywhere on it. No. 
it says end it says end of book one at the end which every pretty much every black label book does so you'd yeah, be forgiven and it's oversized yeah. yeah i just think that's an interesting distinction and and i had i would have assumed that it was black label until brian said that and i went and flipped through it and it doesn't have it anywhere that's mm-hmm. really surprising I wonder why they wouldn't make it black label. Well, no, no nobody, nobody's nobody's penis. That's true. <laughs> it seems like the perfect like fit for a black label book because they've already shown that like black label doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be penises, you know. No, it could no. be butts. <laughs> it could be butts. And 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 like with Tom King's uh, Strange Adventures, they censor. The, the the more colorful swearing so even though it's a black label title mm-hmm. so it's like but yeah you know black label seems to mean oh boy this is going to be us like talking out of our ass trying to unpack something we couldn't possibly understand but um black label seems to me to mean we want it it's not necessarily full-blown rated m rated r whatever but we want it to be thought of as a mature title for adults to read whereas this fits the black label aesthetic but maybe they want it to be for a younger audience as well they don't want the black label stigma attached to it if they want like the uh grade school or 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 uh junior high audience you know what i'm saying but but I don't think that the t- content of this is particularly good for I'm not saying it's inappropriate. I just don't think like I don't know why if you were in fourth or fifth grade, you'd want to read a book about Batman and Robin being dicks to one another. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me that well, doesn't seem appealing. I'm not saying they're I'm not saying they're doing it right. I'm just trying to explain the the, the train of thought there, maybe. Sure. I, I actually feel like this would be a good like preteen entry point because like dick is kind of a rebellious figure and bruce is the you know he's the the teacher or the parent or the adult in your life who like just doesn't get you and mm-hmm. okay so that's an interesting I, I almost point. think it kind of fits pretty well there i if if the book definitively takes dick's side going forward then i agree with you yeah that's a big if though. Yeah. I think I think the most interesting thing of all this and it's even, it's not even that interesting is the way uh Killer Croc is incorporated by tying his origin to or or tying not necessarily his origin but tying him to Dick specifically in the circus. Yes. Um and I love that panel where where we see like the flashback of of dick and his parents walking by and croc is almost like it it feels very like hellboy mignola-esque where he's just Mm -hmm. like sitting in the tank watching Mm -hmm. them walk by that that section was really good and i'm interested to see where that goes that was definitely i think the most interesting and thing in the book for me yeah i agree with that any other thoughts on this Dustin Wynn's art is just incredible that's all like and this is even I think like this is like 
peak win to me with like the watercolors and everything. Yes. Yeah, I agree. All right, that brings us to Wonder Woman number 781, written by Becky Clooner and Michael W. Conrad, illustrated by Marcio Takara. So I, I want to I want to talk about the backup in a minute, but I liked about half of this quite a bit, and then half of this I have absolutely no interest in. And I can't remember the last time that a book like this had me so conflicted on my feelings of the issue not because i think any of it is necessarily bad i just think that there's there's some good stuff happening here but overall it's just so decompressed i mean this is the most decompressed comic we've gotten at dc since bendis on legion maybe which wasn't that long ago but this is just painfully decompressed to me and uh i'm starting to get real real tired of it this I don't know if I will read another issue of their run until we are going to be talking about another issue of their run. Uh, what'd you guys think of this? I pretty much completely agree. Yeah. I think there's, there's some stuff nestled in there, like a nesting doll that I like a lot, which is that like, the Dr. Psycho stuff I liked, actually. Yes. Yep. That, that's that's where I was going to go first. Dr. Psycho as a um, kind of a running villain throughout this run has been interesting and entertaining. I think his voice, they, they've got his voice uh, really unique and kind of wryly funny, right? Um, there's something very funny about Dr. Psycho in this. He's... <laughs> There's a line where he, he says something like I'm giving I'm giving men a voice again or something like that, yep. which sounds exactly like, well, Josh fucking Holly just apparently gave some some, you know, dumbass right wing speech about masculinity in America disappearing or whatever. You know, it just it reminds me of something like that, which is so kind of note perfect. I can see Dr. Psycho like uh, worming his way into that role in the in this world and being like the dc comics version of that i totally i think that's fitting i think they do that really well um it works really well in a book like wonder woman right i think boston brand dead man also being like a running participant in this run has been fun and interesting um again kind of an offbeat sense of humor that kind of runs through that Unfortunately, like, yes, on the one hand, very decompressed. On the other hand, nothing that's going on, no matter how decompressed or not it, it is with Diana is very interesting to me. Like we're doing a plot where there's like Diana clones or zombies or something. I, I can't think of anything more like generic and like badly silver agey than that, you know? Um, just like a really uninspired, uh, threat of the month. Right. Um, and then the other thing is that everything going on with Steve is completely stupid to me. <laughs> like, um, just, it almost feels like he's being wedged into this run edgewise because he needs to exist somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like the writers really even want him 
in this book. <laughs> and I could do without him too, if that's the case, because uh, he's just like sideshow Bob stepping on rakes <laughs> at this point. And he, he's going to get red pilled by Dr. Psycho. That's oh God. For. If that happens, I take it all back. That would be hilarious. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. The last thing I do want to add is that to me, the most frustrating part of this is that we just spent this interminably boring story in Asgard. And now we have to do more with those, with that bullshit, with the returning the sword. Like who gives a fuck? That was so boring. Why are we doing more of this? I I agree. I, I, I think the only good part about it is the like vince said before or maybe you said it brian i don't know uh the incorporation of dead man that was vince by that, that yeah have, yeah yeah have having boston like along for the ride and making it kind of this buddy thing between him and diana even if i don't care about the the task itself i'm interested to see like the journey between this kind of uh off <sighs> offbeat pairing of the two um so but otherwise yes i i don't have a lot to say about this other than what you guys have already said i'm i'm not really feeling this run very much it seems like an especially missed opportunity because of all of the because the because of the trial of the amazons coming up and wonder woman's 80th anniversary and we're less than a year removed from her second film like there, this seems like a good time to really put your money into Wonder Woman if you're DC and to get that top shelf creator on the book that will move the needle and do really interesting, really dynamic Diana stories. And instead, we just get this really, really boring, uninspired story right now. I mean, I, I do. I feel like in general they really are putting a lot of weight behind Wonder Woman. You know, the line is more robust than it's ever been. I think mm-hmm. in terms of like the number of titles. And yeah, no, I, I I agree. I agree. It just seems like if you're gonna do that and not yeah. anchor it, what are you doing? Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, it really feels like dc has had a hard time finding the right creative team for diana for several years now i think the closest they've maybe come was orlando and even then there were some misses i think you're talking Um, after rucka left yeah after yeah rucka was i even kind of think rucka was a miss honestly because the the stories were good don't get me wrong but it it ultimately amounted to very little it was kind of just like a a reprisal of the the Rucka run that lasted for you know 2 years and then kind of didn't leave a very big mark on Wonder Woman in general I don't think you know so yeah didn't it didn't it, didn't the Rucka thing read didn't the Rucka rebirth thing read more like well, we really let Wonder Woman go off the rails in the New 52 
and we need yeah. to we need to signal to everyone that that Wonder Woman is important to us, and we're not going to mess it up. It, Rucka's run was just let's not mess this up for a while. I, I agree with that. It was a very safe choice, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. But I'll say this: I'll I also say if you look at Wonder Woman from the mid '90s until now, almost every run has undone the run before it <laughs> like <laughs> it, there is there is very little continuity between wonder woman stories um whenever anybody comes on a wonder woman title there's always the this is a reinvention of the character moment you know going back to um you know when when phil jimenez took over the book it was like we're getting back to classic wonder woman stories and then a couple years later we had uh like when when Superman was grounded and Batman was dead, Wonder Woman started wearing pants, and that was a big deal. Remember how it was, she, she had like a jacket and pants, and that was supposed to be a really big deal for some reason. Yeah, um, that was a great costume. Yeah, yeah. And didn't but, she had kind of like amnesia too? Didn't yes. she? I think or... there was something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, it just seems like all the time they're always they are very rarely saying, you know, this is the next saga in the Diana story. Instead of this is a, this is the beginning of a new saga for Diana, and I know that may sound like I'm nitpicking there, but I really do believe that that her character has not had a consistent voice in a very long time. I I don't think you're nitpicking. I think that's a fair um, fair observation, and I I think one of the reasons I liked the Orlando stuff so much is he's like the only person who kind of tried to connect the history the disparate mm -hmm. history of wonder woman in, in, in an interesting way yeah. um so i really thought because if you recall in i forgot what book was it what book had the scott snyder written diana allen scott 40s 5g yeah. story in it i think that was um i think that was 750 whatever it was i, I thought say. i thought they were setting up scott snyder to take over wonder woman and yeah. not that i think that scott is necessarily the right guy for that job i think he would probably do an okay job but i thought that snyder is the kind of creator snyder morrison um you know before he was canceled warren ellis these people that have like that you can just say their name and you get a sense for how important the publisher thinks the story is, right? Like it's it's the vote of confidence that, oh, wow, they're giving the book to so-and-so. Yeah. And, and I felt like when Snyder was going to be that guy, I was like, all right, they're taking Wonder Woman seriously, getting ready for her 80th birthday. This is a really smart thing for them to do. And then it didn't happen. And we got this 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 team that, you know, Becky Cloonan is an amazing artist. I've never read anything Michael W. Conrad has done outside of this stuff, but you know, I don't believe that they're necessarily bad creators. I just think they're not doing anything. We were talking before about the boldness of the line right now, right? There is nothing bold about the Wonder Woman story. Zero bold. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want to slight them. Like Becky Cloonan is is wonderful and and i've enjoyed their work on um the midnighter stuff with the backups mm -hmm. um with van oming uh, i think that that was really good 
and aren't they doing are they doing something else together too or have they Bat done girls. something else recently Bat girls Bat girls yes okay and i don't think we've actually seen we saw did they write the backups or are they they're yes. not writing the main series are they they are yes. okay okay but the main series hasn't started yet it's all we've seen are the backups yeah. right okay okay yeah yeah um so i don't know i i do agree though it it it's just not it's just not been the best well uh let's talk about the backup for a second which was written by Vida Ayala and illustrated by Skylar Partridge. This is the beginning of, I don't know if they're calling it the March to Trial of the Amazons, the road to whatever, but it's the first, it's the first glimpse we're getting at that. And, you know, we had a story a little while ago in the Nubia issue, which is kind of about, I'm sorry, in Nubia and the Amazons, number one, just to give the which Nubia issue I'm talking about. Just, you know, there was a story about, uh, you know, new Amazons, new people coming to, to the Amazon, right? To being to being uh, indoctrinated into the Amazons. This tells a story of new folks joining the, the, the Bana Migdal, which is the sort of more militant wing of the Amazons that Artemis is often shown as being like the avatar of. And so I think that this works well as a companion piece to Nubia and the Amazons as well as just giving readers an understanding of sort of what the difference between the Amazons and the Bana Migdal are, especially I think the, the easy interpretation is that one is the violent one and one is the peaceful one. And I think that this issue in particular does a good job of giving that a little bit more nuance and not making them into just these warmongers. So I actually thought this was the best part of the issue. I thought this was pretty good. And this has me a little bit excited for what this event could be, even if, like I said, I'm really not feeling the main title at all. Yeah, that, that's I, interesting. Oh, go ahead, Zach. You go first. No, you go ahead, Vince. I was just going to say, I, I agree. I think this is better than the, the story that's up front. And I think the art in particular surprised me. Uh, Patridge's art reminded me a lot of like, Emmanuel Lupacchino or something like that. Um, and it's a really great fit for the type of art that we've come to expect uh, when Wonder Woman stories look really good lately. Um, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the, the colors too. Uh, who did the, oh, Romulo, Romulo Friardo Jr. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I should have been able to tell that just by looking at it, honestly, because that's also pretty distinct. Um, and and so yeah yeah definitely the backup was was much more enjoyable than the the main story. I'm more invested in what's going on on Themyscira in all of this than I am in the main Wonder Woman stuff. And I'm not sure I've ever been able to say that before. So that's worth something. Um, I'm a big dum dum because I I didn't read this because I just assumed that they were still doing the Young Diana backups, and oh, so God. I just. I just checked out. I'll have to go. I'll have to go look at this because it, it. I'm, you know, flipping through it now and hearing what you guys are saying about it. It sounds very interesting, and I, I really like Ayala. I think you know what they're doing might be end up being some of the most interesting stuff in Wonder Woman 
Um, their new mutant stuff has been incredibly good. I have to sneak some Marvel in there. So yeah. uh, Judas. I'm, uh, I'm interested <laughs> to check this out. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Vince, what comes out next week? Fuck you. God damn it. It's the same bit every Shut week. Up. Yeah, and our fans love it, and that's why I do it. And no one's tired of it, especially not me. Um, okay, hang on. I have it. It's loaded. I've actually got it pulled up already. Oh, wow, wow. Wow, aren't you just the A student, teacher's pet, I would say, if I were on a Tim Robinson sketch. <laughs> do you want to read it uh, zach no no oh, okay all right i I've would never it. take that from you <laughs> i've got it aquaman the becoming number three batman 117 uh batman secret files the gardener uh batman versus big b wolf in gotham big b a wolf in gotham it's uh, like babe big in this uh, babe pig in the city babe a pig in the city batman a big b in the city <laughs> um blue and gold number four green lantern eight justice league 69 uh jesus what year is it um nightwing 86 nubia and the amazons two uh robins number one uh for realsies this time well that never was just the print debut of that yes i know i know uh suicide squad number nine uh suicide squad king shark number three supergirl woman of tomorrow number five superman son of kal-el number five uh, the Nice House on the Lake, number six, and Wonder Woman Evolution, number one. Well, Wonder Woman Evolution sounds like uh, Animorphs tie-in or something like that. <laughs> uh, well, we can only hope, right? <laughs> I've never seen a single Animorphs thing, so I don't know. Anyway, you can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, frantically trying to find the first two issues of Batman and Big B Wolf, whatever the fuck it's called, <laughs> so that he can uh, read it and just enjoy whatever that is. Uh, it's a fables thing, right? It's a fables thing. Did, yeah. Didn't we read it? We didn't talk about it. No, though. we, we did didn't not. read it. We did not read it. I read no. it. We talked you about read it. Get, get my name out of your mouth. No, I would not read this book. <laughs> we said we were going to read it and no. decide if it was worth talking about. And I did that and we didn't talk about it. I think that was a joke. Whoever said that. <laughs> no, that it was, was on real. the table of like, we need to at least check and see if this is worth talking about. And I fucking did. And then we didn't do it. Oh, fooled you? I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> yeah, fooled right. You. Fooled you. Oh, man. <laughs> you seen Won't that one, Zach? Yeah, have you seen no. Spaceball, Zach? Uh, not all of it, no. <laughs> oh, no. God. Come on. You're killing me, Smalls. You see that one? <laughs> this is going to be a rough game. I've absorbed enough of now. that through pop culture. Okay. <laughs> all right. The Sandlot is, is brilliant, also. You should watch that. But we're going to start. Uh, a new $25 a month Patreon level, which is make Zach watch movies. <laughs> yeah, would you watch Austin Powers for $25? <laughs> yeah, I would. I would watch Austin Powers for $25, definitely. <laughs> uh, shall we shag now or shag later? Did you, did you see that? Uh, former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker went as... Uh, uh, austin powers for halloween this year oh behave he's a, oh god he i mean he's a total buffoon and the costume was terrible but um but good for him <laughs> no just very a funny piece of uh piffle 
to bring up, I guess. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, and uh, take care. I don't know. I don't. I just don't care about Adam Sandler. Well, you don't care about him because you didn't see Billy Madison. That's I don't know. Real, that's really the reason why. <laughs> I don't know. Let's no. just watch Spanglish. <laughs> I, I'd be down for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's just talk about comics. How about that? Yeah, yeah let's, let's do, do that. that. Let's okay. do that. All right, you guys ready?